0: Today, we're going to begin to talk about evangelization. And I wanted just you to write this word down. I want you to write the word down, mission. You have a mission, and I have a mission. And I want to say it this way. The church has a mission in this world. And when you begin to think about mission, or maybe even evangelizing, usually what we think of, and I'll say this, my wife is the best evangelist I have ever met. She's a little bit edgy for me, but she will share... Jesus with anyone. I still get intimidated doing that. And but I'm growing in that. And so usually when I would think of evangelizing or street witnessing, I would think of maybe a catchy phrase or going out on a street corner and we were brutal uh, the church where I was born again and got filled with the Spirit, they would go witnessing every Friday and Saturday. And for us, we'd go outside the bar where all my friends were going in and out, and they were saying, turn or burn. And I'm like, oh, good God, you know. (laughs) And to me that's not an effective way to evangelize the world and I think this is powerful this last category because really it's a category on mission it's a category how can we win California and I believe these two sacraments if we really give our minds our heart our faith to it and have the conviction we could win all of California for Jesus Christ and I don't think it's going to be a slick marketing campaign I don't think it's going to be a movie I don't think it's going to be like just one event, but the two sacraments or sacred channels are Holy Orders and Holy Matrimony. And I want to say right now, when someone is called into Holy Orders, and we'll talk about that in a moment, it's a sacred thing. But I want to talk about Holy Matrimony, and it's not a mistake that starting next Sunday, we start a series on marriage. So if you're single or you're young, don't check out because one day you will participate in this sacrament. And I want to say, what if we had people that not only Men and women who are called to the full-time ministry, but where believers begin to see their ministry. We believe in the priesthood of the believer, in that every believer is set apart or consecrated. They may not be ordained. We're going to talk about that word. But I want you to know, when someone is called for a Christian, for a believer, and this is over 2,000 years old, they call it holy matrimony. Because they believe that it's not just being in love, it's not just romance, it's not just intimacy. That this couple joined together by God himself that their top mission in the world above their business, above their portfolio, above their ministry is their marriage and if we in this church who are married would begin to see that our marriages are our top priority I absolutely believe our neighbors our friends our co-workers our relatives would begin to ask, what is it I need help in my home? And we would have an answer ready within us of the hope that's in us. That's what the world needs. They need men and women who are set apart, who are ordained, or who are consecrated, but marriages that are holy. And I stand before you. Becky and I, you know we've had some communication challenges, but we're doing really good. Thank you for that sabbatical. We're doing better now. Than we have had in 38 and a half years of marriage. But I look at my three sons. And they are amazing uh, uh, husbands. They love their wives. And they've taken it to another level. And they treat their marriage as their top mission. I think we need to be possessed with that. I, I really, really do. And so... Uh, when we think of holy orders, and for a priest in the Catholic Church or a nun, if you were called by God into a holy order, you were called to a life of celibacy. You are called to a life of being singly devoted to God, in chastity, in love. And they were set apart. And we'll talk about that in a moment. So I want to begin to think about ordination and consecration. But here, uh, holy orders is so different than marriage. But it's those two things together that are a sacred channel that has the power to evangelize the whole world and keep us on mission. Can you say amen? And so we're going to begin to look at the word ordination. Now ordination in antiquity or in Latin is ordinatio. Did I say it Italian enough for you? No, I guess not. Ordinatio, okay, and this is what ordinatio means. It means regulating, arranging ordinances, decrees, and get this, in levels of authority within the church. This divine order passes on like a relay race, okay, the authority entrusted by Christ to his apostles of teaching, sanctifying, and leading or governing the church. I want you to begin to think one of my favorite scriptures, when Jesus called the apostles, and the word apostle means sent one, but before he commissioned them, and you can see the word mission in commission, he went up to a mountain and he called, get this. This is the phrase of the exact words of him, he called to himself. Those he himself wanted, then he sent them out. Can I tell you right now, God has called you. He's gone to the mountain. He wants you. He wants to be with you. He wants the best for you. That is God. Before God sends us, he wants us to come to be with him because when we're with him, we become like him. We don't need to go out into the world That's as a person that's changed by the world. I want to go to the world and change the world. Amen. And we really do believe that. And so in ordination, we begin to see that there are different levels. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Philippians chapter one, and we're going to begin to look at verses one through two, uh, one and two. Now, again, for 2000 years, Christianity, the church is not a marathon, nor is it a hundred yard dash. It is a relay race in 2,000 years ago Jesus went on that mountain he called those to he himself wanted and then he sent them out so he sent out the 12. Then the 12 began to come, and Jesus also commissioned the 70. Then on the day of Pentecost, it was a great multitude. And for years, the apostles handed off uh, Christ to one generation, then the next generation, then the next generation. And here we are, and I love what Second Timothy chapter 2 says, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ, and get this, and pass on to faithful men. That are able to teach others also. He did not say pass on the able men and women, but pass on to faithful men and women. And guess what? You and I, here and online, we are a part of the faithful and we are here to pass Christ on. Yeah. Amen. And so Philippians says this, Paul and Timothy, starting chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ. I want you to circle the word bondservant. Bond servant is uh, from the Torah, the Old Testament, and it says, if a Hebrew servant served you for six years, in the seventh year, if he wants to go free, you need to let him go, but don't let him go empty-handed. However, in the seventh year, if he comes to you and said, you know what, I, have fared well in this house and I want to remain in this house and he responds you will take an earring or an owl and you will pierce his ear and he will be a servant forever Paul starts off now he usually this is how he usually starts his letters Paul an apostle he's right there up front this is who I am this is my ordination but he says Paul and Timothy bond servants I want to stop right now whether you're ordained or consecrated we're all servants of the most high God Jesus did not come to be served but to serve I think the world needs servants more whether you're ordained or consecrated, I think we need to begin, We need a servant leadership. So he says this: Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, get this to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. So that's a region right there. To the bishops and the deacons. Did you see that? To the bishops and the deacons. In grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see their bishops, their deacons they're saints but all of us are bond servants so in for 2000 years and this is pretty amazing with the church that the church for 2000 years have had anointed leaders in the church and they were ordained they were ordained bishops now get this when a catholic man who becomes a catholic priest and he is Anointed to be the priest. Get this the ancient rite would be this once he, for two years, he would go through training. And when he was anointed to be a priest, he would lay on the floor and put his hands out like Christ on the cross, and they would anoint his hands and his feet because he was going to be the hands and feet of Christ. But when they anointed a bishop, they did not anoint his hands. They anointed his head and they gave him a mitre, the mitre in the crozier, a shepherd's staff, and they put that bishop's hat on him. The reason why, because the bishop's thoughts would affect the church for a hundred years. I want to say, as a bishop of this house, I and the elders, and our team, it is sacred to us that what we pass on to you we have received from the Lord through scripture and through uh, the movement that we are part of we are part of Ministers Fellowship International and there is levels and, and we want to honor that and we want the authority of that and I believe in the days ahead in America what we're seeing in the world is really an attack against authority that no one has authority over anyone. Can I say it used to be we used to respect positions in authority we cannot build God's church the devil's way we need authority and to have it you have to come under it, you have to recognize it you have to celebrate it now I want to push back on Uh, that ordination, okay, because Martin Luther, uh, the Protestant, he protested, and he went totally, he pushed the limits, and he believed in a universal priesthood of the believer. And where did he get this from? If you have your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 14. So Martin Luther, his doctrine of the universal priesthood of all believers gave us, everyday believers, and the priests or the clergy equal rights, meaning no one had any authority over anyone. And so this is where he would get this from Genesis 14, 18 to 20. Then Melchizedek, and many believe this was a type of Christ or Christophany, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest, not a priest, of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram, of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand and Abram gave him a tithe of all and again I want you to know this this is a relay race this is uh, not a marathon it is not a hundred yard dash I want to say I want to just stop for me being raised as a Catholic and still today Priests are very important to me. If I see a priest in the airport, even last night, having dinner with Pat, uh, Father Larry, I, I have a great respect. And we did, and I think still today, when I go into a church, uh, whether it's Baptist or Catholic, I want to know who the pastor is and I want to show respect. I think sometimes people ask me, Pastor Jude, why is it that there are more miracles overseas when pastors and missionaries and evangelists travel? I think one of the reasons is overseas, they still have a great respect for spiritual authority. And they honor it. And it actually makes me uncomfortable when you go overseas. that go, Pastor, let me carry your Bible. Pastor, can I help? And, 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 it, it's almost, it's not humble, yes it is it's humbling but they have a respect. In America I think many believers kind of see pastors and uh, lead pastors and ministers almost on the same level I think we do need spiritual authority and one thing that was amazing that Mike did not say 12 years ago when him and Janet felt called to leave the church they had been in for 20 years in join City Church, California, he said this is sacred Pastor Jude you and Becky are going to be our pastors and you have to promise me one thing and I thought the one thing was he was going to ask if his wife Janet could lead worship and I thought goodness gracious I hope she could sing but he didn't he said this and it was staggering what he said I'd never heard this come from a successful marketplace person he said if you're going to be our pastors if you see something in my life get this you have to promise me you'll adjust me you'll correct me. That's spiritual authority. And and so we really do believe that. I just want to stop for a moment. So again, I have a respect for holy orders. I believe, and I'll tell you my own story at the end of this message but I want you to know I also believe in consecration I do believe that there has to be attention from respecting the bishops the deacons that have been passed on like a relay race for 2,000 years but I also know this there is an authority of a believer because Jesus said in Ephesians chapter 1 that Jesus is seated in heavenly places far above all rule, all power, all dominion, all might in chapter 2 I am seated in heavenly places with him and he's given to the church the authority in that everything of the enemy in hell is under our feet we do have authority in Jesus name amen and we believe that so I want you to say this say ordination or say it this way say orders and say consecration say it again consecration And so there's a Latin word that they use for consecration is con secratio. you want to say it? No, you don't have to because you don't know how to speak Latin and neither do I. Now, ordination is also called consecration and I want to begin to define what consecration is. Number one, it means to be set apart. You should just write that down. It means to be set apart. Like, for example, one of my favorite things of when you officiate someone's wedding, usually in the vows, whether they write them, but traditional vows will say something like, when I stood before Becky or Jay stood before Nancy, you say something, I vow that I will only love you In no other. Meaning that you're turning to... The man turns to the woman. And he's saying by turning to her. That he turns away from every other female. Or anyone else. That you are going to have this space in my life. I'm consecrated to you. I'm set apart. So a lot of times when people think consecration. Please get this. I want you to think of two prepositions. From and to. And I'm saying it backwards on purpose. A lot of times especially if you come from a Spanish church, a Pentecostal church, a Baptist church, a church that's a little bit more legalistic where they're going to begin to focus. You need to turn from that. You need to give up this now. You need to stop doing this, stop doing that, stop doing that. That is not consecration. Write this verse down, 1 Thessalonians 1.9. First Thessalonians 1.9. It says, we have heard, get this, and I'm going to use this swivel chair. We have heard how you have turned, watch, 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 to God, and away from worthless idols. I'm gonna do it again. Okay, this swivel chair is so fun. We have heard how you have turned to God and away from. Can I say consecration is turning to something greater than what you're turning from? If what you turn to is not greater than what you turn from, you will never have the power in the reality of being consecrated. Let me say it again. It says, we have heard how you have turned to God and away from worthless idols. Number six, write the reference down. It's in Numbers, and it's the chapter on the Nazarites. And it says, if a, a, a Jewish person wanted to consecrate themselves, that they would do it for 21 days or more, maybe a year, how they would turn to God That's listed about six times in away from wine, away from a bad haircut, and away from dead things. And a lot of times we focus on what we're turning from. I say today, no more. Let's focus on who we're turning to because that's where the power of consecration is. I don't know why we we have, I think, at least 25, 30 coffee cups in our cupboard. We don't even use the word cupboard. That sounds like canceling and Gretel or something. <laughs> I only use one cup. I'm about ready to smash all of them but my one. Now, if you want to aggravate me, I'll let you get away with it once. You come to my house, you spend the night, you, re- you get my cup, I'm, you're going to see, I'm, I'm, my eye's going to twitch. My shoulder, I, I'm going to start having a spasm. That's my cup. Now, really, and Becky knows, Becky knows, Becky knows, Becky knows. That's my cup. Not always. I'll go some morning to get that cup, and it's like, where's my cup? Then I go to the dishwasher. My cup's not in the dishwasher. I go down to a room that's her room. I can't even go in that room without her permission. And there's my cup and the devil is a liar. It has about an inch and a half of coffee and the half and half cream is floating to the top. And I thought, "Uh uh-uh, hell has struck again. Now, let me tell you what consecration is. It is a temple term. Before they used the temple, let's see, the furniture in the temple, the brazen altar, the brazen laver, the lampstand, the showbread table, the altar of incense, the Ark of the Covenant, they consecrated it. They put blood, then oil. And so to be consecrated, number one, you have to empty what's in the cup. And so what did I do? I consecrated that cup. I went and poured hell out of the cup. And I got some dishwashing soap and I cleaned the inside of the cup. And one of my favorite... (laughs) The way I said that was funny. I cleaned the inside of the cup. You know the song, The Blood? I'm washed from the inside. I'm washed from the inside. My consecration does not come from the outside. It comes from the inside out. And consecration isn't just don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with girls who do. One of the greatest things, that must be a girl who chews back there. (laughs) Yes, sister, you know, you know. A little pinch between her cheek and gum, all right. That is so gross, but if you chew, it's, I, I don't know, whatever. Let's get back on track. One of the greatest things, hear me young people, that you could be consecrated to is to discover why you're breathing and what is it God wants you to do. They did a study in the 80s, the 90s, in the beginning of the third millennium that there's no difference between believing teenagers and young adults and unbelieving teenagers when it comes to immorality, alcohol and drugs and partying that it, we, some the Christians uh, believed the young people who believed in Christ it was the same percentage involved with drinking drugs and immorality the deciding difference whether they were Christians or not was if they had a clear vision for their life I believe every youth ministry in the world should have a spirit of seeing and knowing where the young person by the time they get into college university they know why they were created and they turn from the world and into that occupation and God begins to use them vision and consecration will make you holy if you want to be holy stop trying to focus on where you're not and start trying to focus on why God created you and you will find yourself turning to God more and more. Amen. And so what happened to me when I was consecrated, I poured out my ideas. Please get this. I'm not just talking about sin on the basic level. One of the greatest things we could do is pour out our dreams, our desires, our wishes and wants, and yield it to God and allow him to wash, to cleanse, and fill the cup of our minds and intelligence with his will before we were born. Amen? Okay, go to the scriptures with me. I want you to go to 2 Timothy 1.9. 2 Timothy 1.9. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. That's consecration. Holy actually means why it is not like being spiritual or monkish. It means it's unique to you. You see, these shoes would not, the unholy use of these shoes was to put them on my hands. Why? Because they're not made for the hands, they're made for the feet. So your call is made for you. It says, not according to your own works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Now go to Colossians. I want you to get this. Chapter 4, verse 17. Go to Colossians 4, 17. And here we go. And say to Archippus, if you're pregnant and you have a son within your womb, do not call him Archippus. I guess you can. Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Did you get that? So that what you receive from God... Watch over it, manage it, store it let 's use this medical term, mitigate it. Why that you could fulfill it, you could develop it. Go to one last scripture acts thirteen acts thirteen thirty six and this is about King David, who was called to be a king, but he functioned as a priest, and we are a nation or a kingdom of priests and kings. Here goes acts thirteen thirty six for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was buried with his fathers. I could say this, Jude and Becky. One thing we totally agree on, that we will serve God's purpose for us in our generation. And when the last thing for us to do is done, we will be in glory. We will fulfill God's purpose for us. Can you say amen? And we, I want you to write this down. I'm going to call the keys up. Consecration. I want you to do this. Maybe, I don't know if you could write it down and hold your hands up. So just type on your uh, smartphone or take notes with this. Consecration is God putting, look at my hands. God putting something in your hands where you can serve him. God putting something in your hands where you could serve him. I love what David said at the end of his life. All this came from you they say david gave billions of dollars to the temple he said it came from you you put it in my hands and now i want to give it back to you everyone in this room you have a platform somewhere for me my platform is here in this beautiful church with you amazing people and online however Your platform could be at the job you work at. Maybe the university or school you attend. Maybe it's the neighborhood. Maybe it's the business you own. That is your ministry, and that's where you are set apart. Can you say amen? And so I want to give you three words that how you can begin to discover what you're consecrated to. Number one, I think discovery is good. I told my boys when they were younger, try everything. Try everything. And you'll begin to discover what you're good at and what you're not good at. You know, a great thing you could do to discover, go through grow class. And then there's a gift matrix test that it will begin to help uh, direct you. And then after you discover, I really think you need discernment. You need to discern. That's a spiritual quality. And then you need to develop. I've seen people... Whether it's ministry or the marketplace, they discover, they discern, but they never develop. And they get mad at God that their business, their career, their ministry never took off. Well, you're to work with God to develop it. And, and please write this down. As a person who is consecrated, I think we need to begin to sacrifice. And I want to ask us this question. Who and where and what has God consecrated? I personally think education is one of the greatest ministries in the whole world. I think it's a beautiful thing to teach. Now we honor priests and nuns who took holy orders, which was chastity, celibacy, and for many of them, poverty, meaning the Lord paid. I could tell you any person teaching in a Christian school, that's a holy order. Because by choice, they could be making double to triple of what a public school teacher would make, but yet they saw it as a consecration, a beautiful ministry that changes the lives of children forever. And it's the very heart of Almighty God. I would say being a youth pastor for 25 years, I'm thinking about this. Because I'm 63 and I guess soon when you get a little bit older they use this word retirement and so you start thinking did we put enough away? Did we do this? A few times, not much not often I think maybe I shouldn't have sent the boys to Christian school my house would be paid for and they say no dad we're glad you sacrificed that because it shaped us who we are as men. Then I think, maybe I shouldn't have been a youth pastor so long. It's like, no. That's who I was called to be. Amen? Mike Rohner, in the last 30 years, has led him and Janet, their companies, have led over 1,000 people to Jesus Christ. It would have been unholy, for him to come and work at a church. I want to begin to read this, and then I want to tell you uh, my story briefly. This, she's one of my favorite Catholic leaders. And for me, Amy Coney Barrett, the Supreme Court Justice, she obeyed her holy orders. And she spoke at Notre Dame's law school graduation a few years ago, and this is what she said. Your legal career is but a means to an end, and that end is building the kingdom of God. If you could keep in mind that your fundamental purpose in life is not to be a lawyer, but to know, love, and serve God, you will truly be a different kind of lawyer. Let me say it another way. If you could fundamentally keep in mind that your purpose in life is not to be a real estate agent, a pastor, a youth pastor, a construction own, company owner, or an educator, but our fundamental purpose is to know and love and serve God, then we'll be a different type of pastor and a different type of teacher and a different type of real estate agent and a different type of business owner. I wanna be different. And not for the sake of being different. But the Baltimore Catechism states Man and, men and women our chief purpose is to know to love and to serve God. How? We can't serve God if we're not set apart to what he created us for I went to Holy Cross Elementary Central Catholic High and I was a bad student I was the nun's worst nightmare In first grade my favorite class I was only six five to six I was Rio's age was religion. I'll never forget one day after Sister Retter, a Marian sister from Ireland. She taught us first grade, and I went home and told my mom, I said, I think I'm going to be a priest one day. And mama was a free thinker, she, she wasn't a good Catholic. Mama goes, oh Jude, there is no way you're going to be a priest. You'll never be able to be married. You'll have to be poor. Don't stop it. When I would go to middle school, they would have pamphlets and they would have different Catholic seminaries. I remember sometimes taking one. I didn't want it. I was the worst kid. When I went to my high school reunion last year, they said, how in the world did you receive a call? I said, I know. I I was the last person I'd ever thought he would have chose for that and so i have a degree in business and i was doing good making great money and i would become a youth pastor and it was in 1986 at a youth conference i still remember the song i bow my knee before your throne that's consecration i know my life is not my own that's holy orders i offer up a song of praise to bring you pleasure lord And he spoke to my mind and my heart. He said, you can go back to the business world and I'll bless you, but that is not what I called you to. I've called you to shepherd people. And from that moment, I will tell you, I have never regretted it. And it's who I'm to be. I'm a pastor. And it's holy to me. And it's sacred. And the world needs both. Men and women who have been ordained and men and women who have been consecrated and today i want you to see this picture as we end maybe for you to really see your future you have to it's a tra- trapeze you have to let go of that tight grip and be suspended for three seconds until the other trapeze comes What happened to me that night, I was clinging on to a Fortune 500 company, Procter & Gamble. But when I let that go, almost immediately, the call of God entered my being, and I have never been the same. Some of you are like my coffee cup, and it's filled with so much of your dream board. Maybe you need to just go and pour that out and ask the Holy Spirit to cleanse it from the inside, and fill it. Second Timothy chapter 2 says, come on, in a great house, there are vessels of honor, vessels of dishonor. Eugene Peterson says it this way, there's fine china in paper plates, I don't want my life to be something that's going to be thrown away when I breathe my last. I want my life to be used by God in such an exquisite way that I myself at the end of my days will be shocked. Lord, how did you do all that through this cheap little cup? Come on. I want to be used by God. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church, California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.